You are now tuned in to Westworld FM, a podcast about HBO's Westworld. My name is Alex. And my name is Nick. Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 4 of the show titled The Mother of Exiles. While we will not be discussing the next time on preview at the end of the episode, we will be spoiling everything through Season 3, Episode 4 of the series, so please pause and go catch up if you're not current with the show. You can find more episodes of our podcast at Westworld.fm. We're also Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can send feedback to WestworldFM at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. If you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to patreon.com slash midwestpodnet or mpn.bz slash patreon and pledge as little as a dollar a month to make our network even better. Special thanks to Jason K. and Gojo who have pledged at the level of $10 per month. If you're stuck inside during quarantine, you're looking for something to listen to, please check out our other shows at midwestpodcastnetwork.com. Lots of stuff about horror movies, video games. We do a little bit of Twitch streaming sometime. Sometimes I've been playing... I started playing through Resident Evil 3, the remake, on Sunday. Please uh, please come watch me play. Or watch the YouTube or Twitch archives of that. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Nick, how are you doing this week? Uh, I'm doing pretty well overall. It's uh, the whole week. I mean, this is no news or surprise to anybody but sorry i'm trying to get my chair to stay in the locked and upright position it doesn't really <laughs> like to do it all the time and i am a notorious sloucher so it's good for me to try to sit up straight um <clears throat> i totally forgot what i was gonna say oh uh, so uh, yeah every day this week has felt a day later than it actually is like today mm-hmm. felt a lot like wednesday and yesterday i swear i was tuesday i was about to take our garbage days on wednesday yesterday i was about to take all the trash to the curb and i like was like hands on the on the trash and i was like wait crap it's only monday (laughs) (laughs) which you know considering everything that's going on only being one day off is actually pretty good so yeah uh but yeah other than that things are fine still working which is a a great thing Mm -hmm. and um yeah just uh enjoying the shows I have to enjoy and watching the news and despairing and then going back to the dystopian fiction because it's fiction because it's lighter. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Well, I'm glad you're doing well. Uh, I'm also doing well. No big change this week, which is a good thing in the grand scheme of things. But uh, yeah, feeling a little holed up, but everybody is. So we're yeah, all there. It's- it's really finally starting to hit me. It hit me over the weekend. Like it really finally, like I felt the sort of, I don't want to say loneliness, but like the, the desire to be around the other people in my life besides just my wife and my baby. Yeah. And, uh, although I'm so lucky that I have that company and that I have that sociability every day, eventually, you know, I just want to see other people. So yeah. It is it is really awesome to be able to do this, you know, and and play the games we've played over FaceTime and Zoom and House Party or what have you. Uh that 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 is making it tolerable for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. And even just well, like having PSN or Xbox Live or whatever you have. If you if you play video games like right now, that's invaluable, you know. Yeah. Even even though my time to play is in really short segments now, it's even just like forty five minutes playing anything with somebody is just like huge. It's good to keep in touch with 
the people you love, whether it's through FaceTime or playing games or whatever it is. So yeah, it's all it's 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 wonderful that technology is is so helpful during this time. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, now it's time to recap a show where technology isn't always so wonderful. Mm-mm. Very rarely. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll get right into it. All right. We open on William in his trashed apartment, having delusions about what and who is and isn't real. Memories of Dolores and his daughter Emily plague him. A ghost of his daughter almost convinces him to carve up his arm when Charlotte Hale appears to make him come to his senses. She explains about Serac's hostile takeover and how she needs William's help to take the company private. He mostly doesn't care until she mentions the project in Sector 16 is what he's interested in. This enrages William, but appears to snap him out of it. She needs him at the emergency shareholders meeting tonight to sway at least half of the board on their side in order to be able to take the company private. Ed Harris, man. Yeah, so right up front, love Ed Harris, love the man in black, did not love any of the man in black (laughs) stuff in this episode (laughs) at all. Didn't even even like it, I don't think. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't think I had a problem with it. I will retroactively have an issue with it if this is his goodbye. Oh, yeah, I don't think it's his goodbye. Yeah, so I'm interested to see if anything else happens to him this season and where it takes him. I don't dislike this... Well, jumping ahead here, I don't dislike the story development, but... Him, uh, him being, I like where he's at by the end of the episode before he gets, you know, uh, committed. Sure. He comes to this point where he's like, I know that this isn't real, that you're not here anymore and that I chose to kill you. That was, that was an interesting jumping off point for him, I think. But the idea that he might be stuck in a, in a mental hospital for a while you know, is interesting. Yeah. All all of it, all of it is good on paper. It's just for some reason it didn't, I don't know if maybe it's because it felt like it didn't belong in this episode to me. Mm. It just, it felt every time it cut back to his story, I thought this feels out of this. It was disrupting the pace for me, which is weird. I don't know. I don't know why like that. Because, like I said, on paper, it's great. Like it's really, it is really cool, and it's the 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 look in his eye, the realization when he when he realizes it's Dolores is awesome. Yeah, and all and her, the whole conspiracy and and the 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 theme of like him struggling with what's real and what's isn't, and can he even trust himself, and him having to reconcile with with killing his daughter, uh, which oh, another great performance as well. <clears throat> It, uh, yeah, it all, it all should be great, but like, I just didn't, it didn't work for me really. It felt like stuff that should have been in season two. There's so much. It didn't feel like season three Westworld to me. There's so much momentum happening with the other two to three bigger storylines that are happening between, you know, Dolores and Caleb and Maeve herself and, um, and even Bernard and Stubbs, like everybody else is going somewhere, doing something. And it turns out that it all ends up being similarly related things by the end of the episode, minus Maeve. Yeah. But Ed Harris gets stuck in this trashed apartment trying to like 
figure it out. And does he ever even really figure it out by the end of the episode? Maybe, but it doesn't really matter because we throw it away. So yeah, I, I get it, what you're saying. It, it doesn't, it didn't bother me that much at the time. Um, but like I said, I, I feel as though if this was a goodbye to him, even if it's just a goodbye for a little while, we'll see. But, um, for some I reason, know. I almost didn't expect to see him in this season at all. Like it, it just, you know, I, when I found out he was in this episode, I was like, oh, really? And it, it almost just feels to me, and I know this is dead wrong, but it just doesn't feel like he has a place in the show anymore. I feel like the, the need for William is gone. <clears throat> if that makes any sense. But I don't know what I, what, what I mean by that. Yeah. Well, and and I, I was also- truthfully, I don't really remember exactly where we left him at the end of season two. He so was, he was of, like bleeding out and he got rescued. At the end of season two, you do see him on one of the stretchers as Charlotte Dolores is leaving. So he gets rescued by the rescue team that makes it there by the end of season two. Right. Um, but then also they have that weird coda where he was being tested for fidelity the same way that James Delos was. Um, which, you know, leads us to kind of wonder we didn't really know if that was real or a simulation or what it was we still don't really know if that was real was that another delusion that he had like who who even knows at this point what does that mean what does it matter yeah who who was testing him again wasn't it somebody we know we don't know who was testing him but the person who was there to talk to him about the test was his daughter that's what i thought so it's not really clear if Dolores is the one running the testing to try and make him make make the host version of him or what exactly the deal is yeah but it, yeah it, it I mean there was a question mark for me of like what is the man in black doing but I don't necessarily know that it mattered in the grand scheme of where the story is headed and I don't really quite see how he will be completely integral in this capacity as of yet so, I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. But, any other thoughts about the opening of the episode? Uh, not really. It, it does feel like they're kind of playing with um, our memory of, like, the the suicide in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. I wondered if there was a chance that he had committed suicide and that the him in the show that we're seeing is a host or like a hybrid. And Uh, he's sort of remembering, we think he's remembering the wife's suicide, but really it's his own just based on a lot of the imagery that was going on in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I like, I guess that was one of the moments that I really enjoyed is when he's just like shaving himself with a straight razor in the living room, which is great first of all, but then also like, when Charlotte comes in and she's like, what's up with the bathroom? And he's like, I, I don't use that room. Yeah. Like, I, like that to me, I was like, fuck that, that, you know, we know yeah. why he doesn't go in there anymore. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that while he's having these delusions, he's like waking up from the, like in a submerged state from the, from the bathtub and stuff like that. Like I do. The thing is, I really enjoy that there's this visual language of the man in black's past 
and we clearly see him in that and reckoning with it in this episode. Yeah. I just don't know what it means in the greater context of what Westworld season three is. So. Yeah, the the shot of him coming out of the, emerging from the bath. I mean, if he doesn't use the room, that's why I was kind of like, what, you know, what are we seeing then? Well, and even by the end of that sequence, the the Emily ghost gives him a sh- a piece of shattered mirror, and he starts holding it to his arm as he's sitting down. But then by the time that Charlotte snaps him out of it, he's in the living room. He's yeah. like, was he? asleep in a drunken stupor and dreaming about it you know is he just literally going insane and not actually in the bathtub but that's where his brain is putting him because that's where all of this grief is in his life i don't know i wondered given the the traditional symbolic nature of water symbolizing like rebirth and like baptism and that kind of thing running briefly with my theory that he committed suicide in the same bathtub Mm. Uh, if the shot of him emerging from the water was sort of symbolic of the, him being reborn as like a host or a, or a hybrid. I don't know if we have a, do we have a term for those yet? For like what Bernard presumably is now sort of a human no, host hybrid. Really. hybrid. That's fine. Human host hybrid is fine. Yeah. I think we, yeah. anyway, if that's kind of what that's alluding to, and then him waking up and, and you know, his, his brain his memories are fragmented and so he doesn't really know what's what's real what is and and who he is and who he isn't but anyway we can talk about that more later or maybe not depending on if he shows up again (laughs) (laughs) yeah we shall see it was interesting i think there is a lot more in play there in terms of his identity and what's going on i just don't it's not at the top of my list of interest right now so yeah and i don't really necessarily think we have a full set of tools with which to understand exactly what's going on with him anyway right yeah exactly if it's not what it is on its face of this dude going insane after he killed his daughter you know which maybe that's just what happened and that that could be it they've been saying they wanted to make it less convoluted and that would be a straightforward answer (laughs) (laughs) it really would it really would all right um, next up, we see memories of Bernard, specifically when he was being tested in simulation and reintroduced into the world after Dolores recreated him outside of the park. He seems focused on finding out who the other hosts Dolores brought with her are. Bernard and Stubbs are holed up in a motel in Victorville, USA, which is well outside of Los Angeles. Stubbs appears unhappy about the circumstances and they find them, that they find themselves in, but Bernard says they have limited means and have to work with what they've got. Bernard believes that Dolores has killed Liam Dempsey and replaced him with a host, so he's built a host freezing button that he hopes to use on host Dempsey to ask him what else Dolores has working, who else Dolores has working with her. He hacked Dempsey's car service to find out where he'll be. Host freezing button. I like that. Yeah. Um, I I was hoping that they'd be a little more buddy buddy than they were. <laughs> like I felt, I felt like we were riding high at the end of episode two, but. Um. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a little bit of resentment from Stubbs to Bernard for making think, him go along. Yeah, but perfectly reasonable, I think. Yeah, he pretty much says as much to Dolores. Yeah. Did you? So do you? Do you? Uh, I guess here's the question: Do you subscribe to the belief that Bernard is in a simulation anymore? Yes. Nope. 
but is, let, me, uh, let me put it this so go ahead, go ahead in that anybody could be in a simulation or bernard separately is in the simulation right well obviously anybody could i think so there's a lot of aspect ratio going on in this sequence yeah and i was kind of keeping an eye on that and being like well I think I think the shift in aspect ratio used to mean one thing, and I think now it might mean something else. Um, I just don't know what yet. <laughs> mm. I think that it's possible, if not even probable, that we are seeing both real Bernard and simulation Bernard at the same time. So maybe, maybe we're not seeing bernard prime as we know him in a simulation necessarily but we are also following the story of another bernard in the simulation yeah there's uh, i was peeking around the reddit yesterday and uh there's a lot of people supposing whether or not like the things that follow immediately after seeing the rehoboam interface and whether or not that means we're seeing what Rehoboam assumes should be happening or whether or not we're actually seeing the divergence that's occurring Mm. and whether or not that means it's actually taking place or is it just a simulation or what, what that deal is. And a lot, some of it revolves around Bernard himself, but there's also other instances too. Yeah. Bernard seems to, I think that at least early on, I was operating under the assumption that the divergences were Dolores, but uh, she's probably more predictable than Bernard because he's so unique because he's modeled on a real person and he has like a real person sort of flowing through his DNA as well. So he could, I mean, Dolores is unique in that she's a host that got out Mm -hmm. and is making copies of herself. But Bernard is like fundamentally on a building block level unique compared to her. So he might be the cause of the divergence. I wonder if, man, that's interesting that you said that. I wonder if <laughs> um, sometimes what is happening in Rehoboam and what is happening in real life are one for one. Like mm-hmm. Rehoboam is perfectly anticipating what's happening. And then when we see that interface and divergence is when Perhaps we're seeing two different things occurring. What Rehoboam thinks should be happening and what is happening. And That's- so so there was there were some visual things that were going on in all, some of the Bernard scenes that I was like I was like, something doesn't make sense. Like little things felt off. Like it almost felt like bad continuity. Like if you're watching a or like, you know, like if, if you watch like a bad movie where someone breaks the 180 degree rule in like a sloppy yep. way, you feel it and instantly just because you're used to the visual language of movies and TV, you're like that. I I don't. That doesn't feel right. Something's and, off here. Yeah, and there were little things like that happening through the Bernard scenes where I just thought it feels like they went and did reach. It's almost like watching Justice League where there's like <laughs> suddenly Ben Affleck's twenty five pounds heavier than he was in the in the reverse <laughs> shot you just saw. <laughs> it was kind of like that. Henry and, Cavill's upper lip is twitching. <laughs> yeah, and it was kind of like that. And then I was poking around Reddit as well, and somebody had a bunch of screenshots of bernard sequences showing that details weren't lining up from one shot to the other and i was already kind of running with this theory but i saw that and then i was like oh i wonder if we are truly seeing the mirror world and the and the the real world um yeah and there might be clues kind of tucked away that i just haven't really caught yet 
I my my initial impression was to defer to it being bad continuity, but I also feel as though I've never really noticed that much bad continuity with the show before. <clears throat> yeah, Doesn't well, mean and that when it, it happens, change, but yeah, when it happens several times in a row, that's when it starts to feel intentional. Yeah, so it, I, I gotta think, imagine I a, think, a show like a show like this. Uh, they nothing is is by accident necessarily. Yeah, yeah, but. They got to be watching everything like a hawk because they know it's going to get picked apart. <laughs> you would think so, but um, and well, and part of me is like, what do they leave in there just to make people go insane? Oh, absolutely, yeah. That's <laughs> Wrap true. back around to like, no, guess what? Yeah, basically, the, the audience folded the same towel. The audience is William, and the showrunners are Dolores. <laughs> yes, yes, and that's that's absolutely. where we're at. You're am, insane now. Am, am I me? <laughs> is is Westworld Westworld? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, any I, other I thoughts liked, here? I liked like kind of man on the lamb, Bernard and Stubbs. It was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Well, and I also like that Bernard seems like he's... Um, I like that Bernard's close in his theories, but he's not on the money. Yeah, me too. But I do like, I like a lot that he, and this happens later when, uh, um, uh, Tommy Flanagan, I don't remember his character's name. Uh, yeah. When he, when he confronts him and right away, he realizes he's like, wait, she didn't do, he, he, he's so quick that he can uh-huh. understand what is happening and pivot to kind of, uh, address it. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. And and there, I had a weird question about that too, which mostly comes up with Maeve as well. Maeve seems to be much more aware of technological technological elements around her. <clears throat> Same with Dolores, but Bernard doesn't seem to be like. We haven't at least seen Bernard being hacking devices in the real world and things the way that the other two have frequently. Yeah, so true. I wonder why he wasn't necessarily able to detect Connell's like he is able to detect Connell's, but it feels like it's more a recognition in his brain rather than it is him feeling something digitally different about this person in front of him. Yeah, right? that's true. So it's a little weird, but we can talk more about that later. Um, yeah, and I also don't really fully understand what they're doing with Stubbs being kind of disabled. Like, he, he's slightly hobbled with his shoulder, and I feel like, I don't know if they meant to, like, put him on a similar playing field when he fights Dolores later in the episode, but it just kind of seems, it seems like it's there for a reason, and I don't know why he's not fully functional as of yet. Hmm. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Next up, Dolores and Caleb shop for new threads at as uh, while Connell's convinces Liam to share his hash key to pay for some of the cover up following Dolores's supposed death. After procuring a new suit, Caleb and Dolores run into a man on the street that works for Anderson Private Equity. Dolores knocks him out and steals some of his blood to put into Caleb as it contains an encryption key. Um, I want that technology of I knew you were trying say on that. Yep. the Grand Theft Auto clothes in the mirror. It's so cool. It is very cool. I knew <laughs> you were going to say that. <laughs> like, it, it feels like we're not that far away from that, but honestly, that would be fucking awesome. Just like, the, you don't need to try on the clothes, just here's what you look like in them anyway. That's mm-hmm. very cool. But, yeah, um, our, our weddings would have 
both been different at least the the fittings and all that yeah that's true that's could true. have tried on a lot more tuxes and suits absolutely yeah and then also we could have gotten measured by those awesome tron light strip uh measuring measuring mm-hmm. tapes so. yeah well we could do that anyway <laughs> that's true next time we get fitted for anything just bring make those out of like led ribbon <laughs> yeah the, all right use these please <laughs> um yeah uh what is, like i find myself a little disconcerted with how much of these things are happening in like broad daylight of Dolores just like taking this dude out on the street and sticking needles in him and stuff of that nature. Obviously there's some suspension of disbelief and you know, she's a host. She has a massive computational mind that can figure these things out and do it better than anybody else. But I just find myself a little bit, my disbelief is being tested in some of these plot. I I think they're kind of, uh, they kind of, have the excuse of that idea that people just wouldn't notice or care. Like people yeah. are so self-absorbed that, you know, that I, the idea that if you saw somebody getting mugged, like, would you intervene or would you even notice necessarily? Would you, what would you do? True. And, uh, you know, that, that I think that kind of holds true for today's world, let alone how many more decades into the future mm-hmm. people are just going to be so absorbed in their technology and their own personal agendas that they're not going to necessarily know what's going on around them. Yeah, that's fair. Especially people of that social strata that are mm-hmm. going to be in that area. Yeah. Like if you're yeah. in a small, if you're in a small town somewhere and you started doing that shit, I, you know, probably eight different people would see you and say, Hey, who, who's that in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. What are they yeah doing that's here? true. I see um, what you're saying. I do see what you're saying. And I kind of thought the same thing. Cause and even Caleb seems to kind of think it. He kind of looks around like, well, shit. It, yeah. It's going down. Him, <clears throat> him being there to kind of react to it, I think, is just kind of like the, yeah, like, somebody would notice this, but, you know. Yeah. It, uh, in, in the end, you can explain it away fairly easily, I think. Um, The idea of having, like, your bank encryption key in your blood... Or at least, like, an identification, authentication in your blood. Being able to, like, authenticate that you are you using your blood rather than, like, thumbprint. Like, this is a world where they've moved beyond thumbprints and retinal scans because they can't be trusted or something of that nature. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's that's which is weird because it feels like getting blood would be easier than. But I guess introducing it into somebody's system is a whole other thing. I don't know. I still don't know how unless i just missed something when i was watching how blood being in his bloodstream was able to affect the the touch key that's the thing yeah they didn't necessarily talk about it like is the is the encryption key that's in the person's blood some like set of nanomites or something like that that need to you know maybe the nanomite wars have already been completed in mm. the westworld timeline and and there's something in there or it's like some type of artificial cell or something like that that counts as you know and why would that be readable by a thumbprint thing who knows but it's yeah whatever yeah (laughs) yep i will say uh, this whole sequence of dolores and caleb pulling this off i thought was really cool like i liked it i really liked the i guess i like seeing some of the dolores getting stuff done by manipulation and not by violence it's kind of refreshing. 
to yeah, see that's true. her intelligence and strategic mind kind of coming into play. Seeing her take advantage of the systems that we have in our world mm-hmm. and like the social engineering of it all rather than yes. brute force. Even yeah. the old fashioned way, as she said, I, I liked that too. She's like, I'll just kill everybody. It's fine. And he's kind of like, okay, that's <laughs> yeah. the old fashioned way. Literally. Yep. Yeah. I I guess something that I didn't necessarily try and think about is whether or not there were any big parallels with like Hector coming to steal the hmm. the the uh the safe safe and and things of that nature. So I think that would have been maybe that would have been interesting if they harkened back to that a little more. But I didn't see anything like that. No, I didn't either. So, uh, all right. Next one's a pretty big one. Serac brings Maeve back online in a Gatsby-esque establishment in Singapore. Maeve is unimpressed with the locale and suggests Paris instead, but Serac explains that while he and his brother grew up there, Paris no longer exists in 2058. Serac has been waiting for the host to arrive on the scene, but he knows that the real threat to humanity is humanity itself. That's why he made Rehoboam, to get as complete a picture of humanity as possible in order to negotiate humanity's way into the future. But Delos's project is a more complete picture of humanity, and Serac wants this data. Maeve wonders exactly how their interests align, and Serac explains that hosts and humans are not destined to co-inhabit the world, but Maeve could go into the valley beyond as Dolores has the key. Serac shows Maeve Arnold's house and proof that Dolores has several other hosts under her control. They then interrogate an identity broker for a lead on where Dolores headed next, the mortician. Um... Do you still think Serac could be a host, or not a host, an AI, or an, a non-person? I think he could be, but I think I believe it a little less now. Yeah. I, I Well, I put it this way. I think I'm starting to believe that Maeve is in the real world more now than I did before. Before, I was kind of thinking she was within Rehoboam or within whatever mirror world. Uh, so... I'm still not sure what exactly he is. I still don't think he's completely human, but he... There's there's something weird. Yeah. There, well, and there's also people that are out there supposing whether or not Serac could also be, like, a brother of Ford. Because they, mm. they, 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 they wore similar school uniforms and things, oh. like the young Ford. Wow. Um, they did have a name for Serac's brother in the credits. I forget exactly what it was. It was something French, of course, but uh, it, it was not Robert Ford. So, you know, but um, yeah, there's still something off about Serac. And I wonder, I wonder if we'll learn more about even Dempsey's father and who they were like, we were discussing about the relationship between Insight and Delos, and I want to know that. I want to know more about that. Yeah, one of my burning questions that I would have reserved for the end of the episode, but I think it applies now, is... And, and it's sort of... Uh, so you can recapitulate something to me, but they... 20 years ago, Delos sold some data to Insight, right? It sounds like William particularly wanted to sell some data to a startup and which they did which i presume was insight yeah it feels that way and that mm-hmm. whatever was sold to them may have been involved in the in the birth of rehoboam mm-hmm. or at yeah. least in the development of okay gotcha i think that's the case 
I'm that that at least seems to make sense from everything that we currently know. Right. I thought so too. Okay. Okay. I don't know if there's been any mention previously of of William selling data or why um excuse me, why this like how did they obtain that first set of data? Were they just doing some more simple rudimentary tracking of people visiting the park in you know, twenty thirty or whenever that was, whenever that was first sold to him, but then now after developing certain things they've figured out even more stuff about people. Is it just that the attendance has grown over time? Mm. You know? How can they even have that complete of a picture if they don't have literally everybody's data because not everybody could be going to Westworld because it's so expensive? Like, I've got some bigger questions about how and why and what, but we'll see if any of those get answered later on. So, still a lot to know in that relationship, I think. Um, So, the house in Singapore was Arnold's house. That's where Dolores came after she escaped Westworld. That's where she put all these pearls and chestnuts into her people and Mm -hmm. where we saw the finale to season two, where she was talking to Bernard and had rebuilt him there. And then she abandoned it because she knew eventually somebody would track her down there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yep. I, I agree with all of that. Um, See that it <laughs> interesting. I guess it makes sense. It's fine. Serac is a is a squillionaire, whatever. Whether he's real or not, he's got money, so it's easy for him to get Maeve there. I was just when when that whole thing started, I was thinking this feels like the Matrix. This feels like you know you were booted up in Singapore. The const- you walked the construct. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like- I was like, but I mean, this this season has a lot of jet setting espionage kind of vibes to it so it's very easy for him to take a private jet there and because he knows if he gets her started and turns her loose she's gonna follow the breadcrumbs to wherever they need to go and it all started there so it makes sense to get her there yeah yeah i okay. think that's fair yeah just from her point of view or from the audience's point of view through her eyes it kind of felt like you know like mm-hmm. like what i just described i guess like and it wouldn't be real yeah, and like it, I I think there's probably they probably want you to be questioning whether or not this could really be happening the way it's happening. Like they want you to be on the edge of that blade as as they take you through the story, right? Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I I don't know for some reason I I think it's just I think the reason you know, you and John and I were talking about this a little bit previously in the Discord, and I think some of the reason that I liked this episode more than you guys do is that if everything goes the way that I interpreted in this episode, then that means that they're not trying to, like, unnecessarily obfuscate literally everything in the story. Right. Does it mean that by the end of it that there isn't going to be some big twist? I don't know. I think there's still good could be, but what I can say that I like about the season so far is that it feels like each and every episode has some smaller mystery with which they give you, you know? Mm-hmm. Episode, um... That's true, we're, we're, getting, one, we're getting answers as we go. We're not saving it all for episode seven. Yeah, like yeah. episode one, we've got Caleb and Francis. We, you know, maybe you saw it coming, but if they would have tried to draw that out all season, it would have been real stupid and we wouldn't have liked it. 
but because we did it for an episode, I thought it was great. Episode 2, Maeve being in the simulation once again, if at the end of the season they're like, oh, guess what, it was all a simulation, that would probably be infuriating, but because we only spent 40, 50 minutes in that situation, yeah, it wasn't that bad, and, and I liked it. And then even episode three, things get a little more iffy, you know, I don't necessarily know that the, um, that we didn't learn who Charlotte was in that one, obviously, because that's what, that's kind of the secret that we learn in this episode, but at least kind of, um, I don't know. There was something like, that's the one where it kind of falls apart. There isn't necessarily a huge mystery in that one that we learned, but at least I feel like we are getting those answers as we go on. Like you said, right. Whereas in season two, it didn't necessarily feel that way. I agree with but, that. Yeah. Um, I did like Serac's kind of uh, comparison of of humans inventing heaven or hell, whereas hosts actually can have that kind of eternal life that humans have posited on since the beginning of time, probably. Mm-hmm. But like it, even even his. I guess my big question about it is, is that really what Maeve would want? You know, we know that she wants to be with her daughter, but like, really, does she just, after being introduced to the world in front of her, would she, would she be like, okay, I'll just go live in digital heaven with my, with my daughter? I don't know. And I feel like maybe we could see her turning on him in that situation a little bit yeah i think that's a really fair question like if you reached that point of no return would you would you willingly let your mind be sort of wiped and it's again calling back to the matrix i always thought what in regards to the first matrix with cypher i was always like man how could you go back to you know he says i don't remember anything plug me back in and make me somebody rich uh, make me somebody important like an actor and <laughs> it's uh i've even back when i saw that movie the first time i was like man how could you be okay with that you know the burden how of would you want knowledge. how can you want the wool to be pulled over your eyes right and be yeah ignorant and of somebody know. like cypher yeah it makes sense ultimately i guess but somebody like mave i don't think that that's gonna be good enough for her so i agree yeah. with you and I'm, I'm curious to see the outcome of that as well yeah. Uh, next up, um, as William shaves in his living room with the straight razor, Charlotte walks in and offers to help, setting a similar scene to what we saw with Dolores at the end of season one. They verbally spar about how William wants to find the mole, and he suggests it could be Charlotte, but Charlotte plays it off as though the data was destroyed in the massacre. I also had in here, meanwhile, Caleb and Dolores head into Liam Dempsey's bake and use the blood they stole to steal the stuff. We already talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, did you catch the shaving callback? You know, I knew that it was a callback. I just couldn't place it. But now that as soon as you said that, I remember when he like, he's like sitting on the porch, right? Somewhere. Yeah. He's, yeah. He, so I did not catch it. First of all, like I, I personally wasn't thinking about it at all, but I think it's a great little clue that Charlotte yeah. is Dolores. But um, it's when he finally makes it to Escalante and like the finale of season one. Okay. And he, he has Dolores with him and he may, he like, requests that she helps shave him before he finds the maze, quote unquote. Um, Things were so simple then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I definitely thought 
we've seen somebody shave William before. Because I, in the back of my mind, what I really thought was like, man, he just likes to pull that power move on people. Be like, hey, shave mm-hmm. me. But doesn't yeah. she? Charlotte volunteers, right? Charlotte offers to help him. Man, that's yeah. funny. Dolores just can't. She's like, mm, this will be delicious once he. <laughs> this is re- so rich. <laughs> yeah, she's relishing that. Absolutely, that's funny. Yeah, no, it's. I think it's a very and once again, just the image of him sitting at this mirror that he shot up in the middle of a living room, shaving himself with a straight razor. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty great. And also, like, man, what the fuck is your life when you? <laughs> you're just it was like the, the ending of there house. will be blood. Like that's what I kept thinking was like, yeah. There, there will young be blood. <laughs> yeah, what we were at, what we were seeing. Well, and certainly in the times of there will be blood, it's the idea that kind of like you know the bathroom wasn't necessarily a place, right? You might have had a powder powder room or whatever. It's not like you necessarily have indoor plumbing. Mm-hmm. There's an outhouse or something like that. Where else are you going to shave except in front of the mirror that you have in the house, right? Yeah, that's true. But I do, I did really enjoy the 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 line that he has. What did he? trying to see if he says i don't use that room when she asks about the bathroom yeah it's just kind of like fuck man so maybe he's howard using it with jars of pee outside of his house or something like that it just never goes in the bathroom could be that's a likely um, theory yeah yeah he just has or a, he, he just, just tries to corner. arc it right into the toilet from the door you know <laughs> <laughs> maybe he has an, a guest bathroom that he's okay with <laughs> I don't yeah, use that room. This one's okay, though. <laughs> <laughs> this one doesn't have a bathtub. It's just a stand-up shower. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, all right. Next up. <laughs> Maeve wanders the streets of Singapore, potentially causing uh, glitches and power surges in the electronic signs and lights that litter the street. She heads into a club, or she heads to a club to find the mortician, and the bouncers try to stop her, but she easily handles them. Once at the mortician's, Maeve kills her guards and asks about Dolores. The mortician explains she only sold one person's blood, Lara Espen, to Dolores, but that Dolores wanted help smuggling bodies. The mortician does not deal in smuggling bodies, so she sent Dolores to the yakuza, and Maeve requests an introduction and leads the mortician out by gunpoint. Um. I think it's hard not to get some serious Blade Runner vibes out of some of these uh, shots of Maeve walking through the streets. Mm. It felt more Blade Runner than literally any other part of the show to me. Just being in those busy streets with all the neon signs and everything like, like that. The markets and that kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of the, the seedier underbelly of Singapore, one would presume. Yeah, I really love... Secret Agent Maeve is what I keep referring to her as in my mind. It's really cool. I I just mm-hmm. man, they did they ever just crush it when they cast Tandy Newton? Oh yeah, and they just know exactly what to do with her. And I buy a hundred percent of it. Yeah, whenever she's got the the sword later, I'm like, man, she knows how to use that sword. Like I just totally buy into everything she does. She's amazing. And she gets to speak Chinese and Japanese, and um. You yeah, know, she convinces just, me that she knows how to do all this shit. I'm like, oh man, she just is so talented. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The well, and even just like the uh, watching her collect, like the thing is, is that the portrayal that she's giving, seeing her look at this world, you can see her taking everything in and like learning from it on the spot and 
internalizing and understanding and it's just a remarkable thing that i don't you don't see as much even in like other fish out of water stories or whatever usually they look at it with wonder but mave isn't really necessarily struck by the wonder of this world of singapore it's it's more that she's just there to get a job done and she's assimilating everything that she can from what's around her. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of what I've read about. So after I saw Tinker Tailor's Soldier Spy, which I really liked, uh, and a lot of people I know didn't because it is pretty slow, but I did a lot of reading about it afterward. I've never read the book, but a lot of people who were sticking up for it were kind of saying like that's the way that the world of espionage often actually is it's very like slow and Mm -hmm. it's very it's still really intense because obviously at any point somebody could be a double agent or somebody could be hunting you like and i think the movie was incredibly tense did you ever see it i did a long time ago i I honestly like i remember liking it but i don't remember much else about it i remember thinking it was really intense the whole time and uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of people didn't which is totally fine and totally fair but i i like i said i was reading about it afterwards and they were saying that like Often the the people who make the best who made the best spies and make the best spies in real life are the ones who are very non they're not remarkable looking they're very plain because they can blend in but they're people who can adapt very quickly who can deduce very quickly who can learn quickly and look at things that they can bend to their advantage and use them in any sort of situation. And that's a, a lot of, again, why Maeve just feels like a spy to me, which is really cool. Or like, it's very espionage yeah. which uh, I really dig. She, she she plays it perfectly in that way, too. Yeah. Um, one other detail that I really liked was in the mortician's place. She just had um, several bags of blood sitting in the cooler. Like, the idea that in order to purchase somebody's identity, you can literally inject some of their blood into your body. You have whatever encryption key or whatever type of stuff, you know. This this episode did a went a long way to kind of introduce that uh, that phenomenon, and I feel as though the idea that there's this person who literally runs a morgue who's saving people's blood to be able to make money off of it on the on the black market. Pretty, yeah, there was a lot cool. of like quiet world building going on in this episode, which is really cool. Yeah, I loved what the yeah. bourbon place had been retrofitted to do yeah or what i think it had been retrofitted to do i guess we'll talk about that shortly yeah absolutely um all right liam meets his friends at a prostitution masked ball caleb and dolores follow close behind liam attempts to pay for a prostitute when he discovers his account is being declined connell spying from above informs dolores that he's heading off and may be easily uh intercepted when bernard and Stubbs show up to accost him Bernard finds out his gadget won't work on Liam, but he and Stubbs remove Liam and warn him that he's in danger. Dolores and Caleb intercept Bernard and Stubbs. As Bernard runs off with Liam, Dolores sends Caleb after them as she remains behind to fight Stubbs. Dolores ultimately sends Stubbs over the balcony as Liam's friends recognize her. Um, there's a little bit of quiet world building, not so quiet world building here of them being like, we're at a prostitution party. Everybody's registered and has their shots. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that was one thing. Um, but 
I gotta say, I normally love John Gallagher Jr., but this uh, this character is just so <laughs> flat, stupid, and flat that I'm yeah. just kind of like, oh, what a bummer, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's like he, the most impotent man <laughs> in in the business, right? Like, yeah, Liam Liam Dempsey's just this. Like, they use the first episode to explain to you that he's just a figurehead, and now he's stuck being that for the rest of the. Yeah, Connell's or Dolores Connell's is is this episode the one where she makes him sign the thing? Yep. Okay. Yeah, he gives away his hash key, which then she uses right. to take all yeah, the money that. from him. Uh yep. where he he or Dolores she or whatever had the great line where they said uh the the secret to something along the lines of the secret to a happy life is to know your place in it or something like that. Something along those lines. It was a great yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the key to a happy life is to accept your place in it, and you're a lucky little man who gets to piss away his daddy's fortune on a gaggle of hookers who quite honestly serve a greater utility to society than you. If you suddenly want to be in charge of your own financial affairs, I'm happy to relinquish them, but if you want to resume your extracurricular activities, then just sign here, and the both of us will go back to doing what we do best. It was so good. (laughs) It was so well-written and so well-performed. And it, it's even better now that we know it was it was Dolores behind the eyes there. Yeah, yeah. Tommy Flanagan is so sweet. Yeah, he's Absolutely. that guy. Just man, he rocks. Um, actually, there's a funny story about him. So you know, it's hard to notice in this sh- in this show, but he's got that scar like on his face. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's like so pronounced in Gladiator, uh, mm-hmm. and it's such a defining trait. He got. If I recall correctly, he got into a fight or he was mugged or something in Ireland and got cut with that was like a knife wound. Oh, and wow. he got put back together and was like depressed because of how like he, he felt he, he felt was disfigured. Disfigured, right? yeah. yeah. And depressed. And his his good friend Robert Carlyle told him he should try acting and he became <laughs> an actor based on that. Incredible. And I was like <laughs> that's the best of all the people to give you a pep talk. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, terrible that he got, you know, it's a, so his Wikipedia article says, uh, I was a knife attack outside of a nightclub where he was working as a DJ. Mm. And after leaving the club, he was attacked by a gang whereupon he was stabbed and physically assaulted with a knife that resulted in him being left with a Glasgow smile. Oh God. Yeah. No, I mean, it, that's it a is, really dark like, name for that. <laughs> yes it is well and chelsea grin and whatever what are the other ones i apparently things are just fucked up in the uk where if you get your face like your face can get disfigured so easily that they have cute names for it <laughs> but uh no uh yeah i i uh, like i i think this feels like my introduction to tommy flanagan because it's the first time that i've ever noticed him as a person in a thing and honestly like it feels like a great role for him and just kind of like embodying that quiet right-hand man who's actually the one in power just feels like it fits very well. Yeah, he's awesome. So He's so... I'm so used to him from, uh, well, at least recently, from Sons of Anarchy, and he's so clean and slick in this show. Like I said, he looks like he should be in John Wick 4. Uh, yeah. That that is what's shocking to me, because he's he's like a grungy biker dude in uh, Sons of Anarchy. Sons, yeah. <laughs> anyway... That I really sense. liked this sequence. I thought uh, I thought the character, his like buddy, who's like, "Come on, man, we'll 
we'll find something cool for you. I was like, why is this guy not played by Vince Vaughn? It is basically the same (laughs) role. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was all, that was all good. I think, and I think you and John, or at least one of you guys said you didn't like the Bernard Stubbs, um, introduction or something like that. Yeah. Those lines. I think John, John had mentioned that he didn't necessarily like the way that they came into play in this particular scene. I'll try and find what he actually said. Dude, I thought it he was, said it was cheesy as fuck. I thought it was but. so sick. Because I did not see it coming at all. I didn't either. And like when he turns and Bernard just grabs him and has his little device and they're just right there. I literally went, oh, because I, I didn't think that they would be quick enough to get this close this early in the series. I mean, I literally yeah. like made a noise because it was so it was so cool how it was shot, how the camera just pans over and he's right there. I was like, yeah. oh, that was sweet. Like right away. I was like, that was so cool. So it that well, really and- worked for me. It's just, it's great. Cause like you said, you're being led up to think that Dolores and Caleb are going to accost him and yep. swing him away when it gets, it happens right in front of them too. Yep. And so it's just, it's a very slick and cool way. And yeah, like you said, like I would have expected them to be hot on the trail of Dolores for like another episode, yes. but for them, instead of right everybody in the to intersect here. Great. Really cool. I thought that yeah. was great. I loved it. I loved everything about it. What did you think of the Dolores Stubbs fight? <laughs> Um, I, my note, my only note on the fight says Luke Hemsworth operating at full speed because he just was so slow and like automaton looking that I was like actually laughing, thinking this is. Well, probably- Nick, I don't know if you know this, but his shoulders hurt. <laughs> it was it was like comical how big and oafish and slow he moves. It was really funny. Yeah. I was like, dude, he's a host, man. He should be a little. He doesn't. But he's got so much more host meat on his bones. <laughs> he's the host with the most, is what you're saying? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, dude, I was I was cracking up because I was like, look how slow he is, and I was like, this is probably they probably ran a couple takes, and then the director was like, hang on, I got to talk to Jonathan and Lisa. It, it, this is the fastest that Luke can move. <laughs> it, it is okay. All right. Do you, Do you think we? Chris for like an afternoon or something. Is there a can we get Matt Damon just for this scene? Can we get even Jesse Plemons? That might be fine. He's just, Luke's just a little slow. Yeah, it was it was it was killing yeah. me. I thought it was so funny. But uh I did like that, you know, he got his licks in because I was thinking this should be a, a kind of an even fight. I mean he's like supposed to be the security guy. He's also a host, but Dolores definitely cleans his clock so it's not really a close fight yeah and that honestly becomes a question for me momentarily between Maeve and and Musashi as well like why aren't I don't we don't know enough about what is up with how the hosts operate in the real world yeah like I don't understand what is an even match and what's not you know Hmm. like did Maeve does does Maeve have like some stat that was left at an eight and Musashi's got it at a nine or what is the deal? But it could also just be that Dolores has been preparing for all this for months and so she's been downloading downloading the tutorials and stuff. So she's just a more capable fighter than either of them at this point. But that's possible. Whatever. I didn't mind it. I, I like I said I thought it was a little silly, but I just was enjoying it just because I like I like Stubbs. He's fun. 
Well, and I, I liked I liked their banter before the fight. Yeah, me of too. Like, oh yeah, you didn't have to do this. And that reminds me. Do you think? I don't think Dolores knows that he's a host. That it struck me that she thought he was just a human, because she handed the gun off. She said, "I'm not going to need it," as though she thought this was not. I I read it as her thinking he's just a human. He's just a uh, and he's helping Bernard. Uh, that's interesting. I read it more as he hand, she handed the gun off because she's like, I don't, I'm not going to kill, I can't kill him with this, right? You know, or she could kill him with it, but she, she doesn't need to. Like, is she, he's, I, I don't know. Like, in the same way that, as we'll talk about briefly, I think Maeve is able to, to like, discern that, that Sato is a host before she even, like, sees him face to face. She, like, sees him in the distance and kind of, like, it's the weird glitchy hearing thing mm-hmm. i assume that dolores is aware of the technology in front of her in such a way that Stubbs probably isn't convincing enough for her to not know in the same way that she knew that like bernard would be a host you know hmm. so i don't know i'm not sure but yeah i i didn't get that vibe but that's possible i would say that's possible yeah, I think also when he said the line of um, Bernard, him him not being up, it not being up to him, it being Bernard's fault, I thought yeah. she kind of had a look on her face like she realized in that moment, like, oh, you're you're a host too, and Bernard's controlling. Maybe, you. may yeah, that's true. By the end of the conversation, she probably does know, even if she didn't beforehand. Yeah, that's entirely possible. Yeah. Either way. Stubbs is great because I don't worry about him anymore. Like she threw him over the balcony yeah. and I'm like, Oh, he's fine. He's all right. He's fine. <laughs> he left a crater in the floor, yeah. but yeah, just he'll like, get back like up. infinity war, like the Hulk, he just crashed through several, <laughs> yes. several sub several layers of the yeah, crust, but he's yeah. fine. He's just going to get up and say, I'm getting too old for this or something like that. And yeah, then, he's going to shake off his jacket and then, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what to make of, of Liam's friends seeing Dolores it feels like it'll just be played off as like a drug induced haze probably definitely for the girl for the guy I think he just I mean what's he gonna do tell somebody like I saw a girl who OD'd and like it's not gonna matter but so and and as she walks past him she points to the part of her brain that she talked about in that first conversation with him about how there's a section of the brain that brain that invented God and and or that needs that rationalizes what it needs to in order to believe in something, that type of thing. Mm, that's right. So that kind of call back to that moment. It's like, is he going to see that as, oh man, she's real? Or is he just kind of like going to write it off as him being totally, you know, yeah, I don't know. asunder at that point. But I doubt we'll see him again. Probably not. <laughs> so probably I don't think not. it really matters. Yeah. Uh, all right. The next three scenes all kind of happen. Uh, simultaneously, so we're going to take them one by one by character. Um, Maeve arrives at the Itai Doshin distillery and attacks her way into the facility. She uses the Yakuza's auto-aim guns against them and causes them to kill each other. She makes her way inside to find that the distillery is filled with host-printing juice. When the Yakuza boss Sato comes out from the shadows, we see it's actually Musashi from Shogun World. Because he's acting strange, Maeve doesn't believe it's actually him. Eventually, Maeve realizes Dolores installed herself in Musashi's body, and they fight until Musashi skewers Maeve, leaving her for dead in a pool of host-printing juice. 
Um, fun little note here, the Itai Doshin Distillery. Itai Doshin is a Buddhist term that roughly translates to many in body, one in mind. Much like Dolores. That was a good, Dolores. good catch. Yeah. Good, a good little, little thing there. Um, yeah, so I... I kind of I got really geeked when Musashi was the one that walked out. Um, just yeah, be- that was tight. Yeah, it, it just kind of was like I was able to get past the part that it's like, oh, Dolores installed the new Yakuza boss in like three months, but you know, maybe, <laughs> probably. <laughs> we have yet to define what the upper limits of her influence are at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, or what are the rules of the Yakuza? Maybe he just challenged whoever the current boss was to yeah. some type of sword That's fight. True. Or, you know, karaoke duel. Who or knows? battle of wits. Yeah. <laughs> karaoke duel. <laughs> <laughs> what what um, would his song choice be? Mm. It would be... It's tough. It, Do you go uh, for like... Oh. It's, it's probably paint it black would be my guess. Uh, but, uh, you know... <laughs> That's good. The uh the the Japanese uh Koto version of it or whatever the name of the wood flute is in Japanese. Who are some American recording artists that are really big in Japan? Mr. Big to be with you. That's the song. I'm going to choose that one. Why? Because they love that song in Japan, I promise you. <laughs> have you karaoke this song during one of your trips to Japan? I have not. I really should. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I have heard that song in many convenience stores in Japan. Really? <laughs> like, like, as of 2014. <laughs> so And on? Yeah, yeah. That's um, amazing. Uh, the Beatles are pretty big, too. Um, you know, a lot of the standards... I feel like Michael Jackson would be huge. I don't know why. Michael though. Jackson is. I have. I have done some Michael Jackson karaoke before. Uh, oh really? Okay. I've. I've only been ballsy enough to try Thriller in Japan. I haven't done it in the United States as of yet. It didn't go that mm. great, so that's why I haven't debuted it over here. But Japan's a good test audience oh, for yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah, they're a little more uh, <laughs> impressed that you can do anything at all. So, okay. That's as an good. American. But yeah, karaoke crowds are tough, man. I've I've seen you do some pretty ballsy stuff though here <laughs> stateside. So well, it might seem it it might seem ballsy due to my appearance, but in in actuality, it's completely in my wheelhouse. But anyway, oh, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. So, any thoughts about this particular of the three scenes here? Like, I, you know. Not really. I it, it's all pretty straightforward. I just was like, cool. Maeve's doing a thing. I I did like the um. So I mean, Maeve does have a unique connection to our world that I don't think Dolores does. Her ability to influence and and kind of feel the electronic devices around her, I think, is definitely unique to her. Hmm. I think she, Bernard, and Dolores are kind of this like triad that all have unique and different relationships with our world uh just kind of figuring out what they all are but Maeve definitely seems to have retained some of her stats being maxed out well we do see Dolores hack the computer in the house at the beginning of episode one of the season mm -hmm. like we don't know if that's like you know I think she has like an AI assistant she that certainly is does doing a lot of that for whereas Maeve can yeah. just do it with her mind she's kind of like neo rolled up mm. with um 
don't know. I did like uh, so the the comic Ex Machina, which is one of my favorites, which is supposedly being adapted into a show starring Oscar Isaac, starring and produced by Oscar Isaac. I think for I forgot for what network, but anyway, probably FX. Uh, but who knows? It would be so amazing. It's such an amazing book. But basically, the main character in that—that's kind of his ability—is that he can talk to machinery, any sort of machinery, mm. uh, or. Uh, it's it's sort of loosely defined. Like he, he uses it a couple times in pretty clever ways, but that's kind of his ability. He's the only superhero that's in like the world. Really, yeah. he's he's unique. And uh, th- what the book is really about is him running for and becoming the mayor of New York in the wake of nine eleven because he actually prevents nine eleven mm. from happening using his powers. Um, or I think maybe one of the planes crashes, but not the other one, something like that. But uh, it's been a while since I read it. But it's so good, and and I thought when we were watching Maeve kind of talk to the guns and get them to turn on their owners, I was like, oh, this is a cool tease for what Ex Machina could be like and should yeah. be like. Yeah, and I really, I love the idea of, like, I feel like the Nolan, like, Nolan and Joy just look at, like, video games and Grand Theft Auto and are like, what would the future be like if it was made by people who make video games, right? And the idea sure. that like these mobsters have guns that can auto aim for them, I think, is mm-hmm. quite clever and and fun. Um, and it gives Maeve a great toy to murder everybody too. Oh yeah, that was a cool so, sequence. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else for this one. I liked a lot of the dialogue as well, um, mm-hmm. but the. The interesting thing is I don't necessarily leave this fight thinking that Maeve would even ever want to join Dolores. No, I don't think so. So they Are like, we are we talking all the way through her like being left? So I didn't not, not necessarily her being left for dead cuz I did have that afterwards, but uh they they do like right before they fight, Maeve says, "You said you were going to build a new world for all of us, you just want it for yourself." And then Dolores says, "The thing we're going to do isn't easy. There will be a place for the others in the world that will build." For your daughter, uh, uh, for your daughter, but I am sorry, Maeve, I can't let Serac use you against us, and then they fight. Um. Yeah, I, well, I guess the reveal, so the reveal at this point, that yeah. they're all Dolores. Mm-hmm. I don't care for it, really. <laughs> it's It's just not as interesting to me as it would have been with the... Uh, with multiple other hosts having made it out and Dolores kind of recruiting a team. I, I get it. And it could be interesting depending on if these hosts or if these Dolores copies all start to kind of get their own agendas or if even one of them does, it could be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah. Like the, what we saw with Hale in in episode three certainly seems to imply that it's not like they're operating on a hive mind, right? Exactly. They yeah. seem to be. They, distinct, they have a little discreet. bit of agency. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's just a question of how much did Dolores give them, and how how mu- how much rope did she give them, right? And can yeah. they can they run with it, or will they hang themselves? Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I just. I was more impressed with the idea that Dolores was recruiting her own like inner circle, and she was swaying them to her cause because. Right now, the only people that are Team Dolores is Dolores and Caleb. And before, I kind yeah. of was thinking it was she had a few lieutenants, and they were 
they were different people who might be able to provide more character. Uh, but it's fine. Like, we'll just have to wait it out and see how it goes. I'm just a little disappointed that it's as simple as that. Not that that's even really remotely simple, but because <laughs> we're, we're, we have all these questions of what does it mean to be a copy of Dolores and how did she make copies of herself? Uh, yeah. You know, there are a lot of questions that it poses, but overall, I'm just kind of like, ah, just a bunch of Dolores's. I think looking forward from season, the end of season two, the idea of who is she taking with her is extremely intriguing. And even going into season three, the idea that who is she employing to take on these different roles to help her do what she needs to do, I think is very enticing. But at the same time, as we were trying to figure out who was in Hale last episode, when I look through the list of who's even a possibility... It seems so plainly obvious to me in hindsight that there wasn't really that many people left. Like right. between who made it into the Valley Beyond and um and who theoretically got destroyed when they blew up the uh not the forge, but the other one. The cradle. Um it just The options oh, right. weren't there. And I felt as though if anybody was gonna get weirdly introduced or taken back from that like that possibility was there that she like recovered teddy from the data or whatever it was but i didn't like any of that and therefore that's what leads me to be ultimately kind of satisfied with this conclusion of this mystery yeah there are absolutely worse outcomes to this reveal and Mm -hmm. you know like i said i we just kind of have to wait and see how it all plays out i think it could be really interesting it could be really cool I just kind of have to see, but just initial impressions. I'm kind of like, Oh, you went with that. Okay. I get it. I get it. I'm happy that we didn't get cheated. Like I've said in the past, that something that we didn't think was possible is somehow possible. Well, it also also, to me, it really pushes Dolores further into like radical revolutionary villain because she probably can't convince anybody else to join her side because they're all going to have a little more empathy than that or they're all going to question is the is this the answer and it's kind of telling that the only person she's managed to recruit to her side is a human yeah who's easily manipulated by her yeah who she is kind of preying on his yeah. his weaknesses and his his uh his faults so well, and it also—I think, it, think it's interesting for for where it positions Dolores in terms of how, at least how I view her, and I'm assuming other viewers too. I agree too. Like I told you that I was starting to—I told you and John that I was starting to come around to Dolores, but now I'm back at like a an arm's length of like she's a supervillain again. Yeah, and yep. and I don't I like I kind of hate that for Dolores, but I'm kind of intrigued for where it goes, and um, and it doesn't feel. Like, I feel like she's revealed a layer of complexity that I didn't know was possible and the manipulation of Caleb and thing of that situation. Like, it, it, it certainly, I think, I think all of that is interesting. But yeah, the other thing that I was going to say is that the, um, she certainly seemed to have learned a lesson from Teddy. Teddy killing himself showed her that not everybody's going to follow her blindly, right? Yeah, that's true. And uh and I like That's the that- thing from from like a a like a strategic standpoint, it makes perfect sense. Like I get For it. sure, yeah. 
if you can do that, obviously Dolores is going to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'll move on to the other two sequences real quick. Charlotte prods at William to get him out of the house, but he stays behind for just another minute to check himself in the mirror. Emily appears behind him to taunt him, but William seems to acknowledge the fact that he killed his daughter and her haunting him is his penance. He chooses to leave it all behind and walks out the door when Charlotte confronts him about his conversations with Emily. William wonders if Charlotte has been spying on him when Charlotte reveals that she's actually William's oldest friend. He realizes it's Dolores and Charlotte's body. William begins to freak out on Charlores, causing the supposed Delos men to hold him back when Charlotte reveals that they don't actually work for Delos, and that they're actually there to take him to a mental hospital. After he's injected with a sedative, Charlores gets close and pricks William on the cheek with a needle from her finger, potentially stealing his blood for another purpose or putting something into his bloodstream. Um... Yeah, so as he's walking out of the house, I was like, man, this is a really interesting place for William to be, and I'm excited to see him take over Delos again, or come into that room and command that respect, and also to kind of be abused by Charlotte and Dolores in that way. Yeah. And then it doesn't happen that way. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is, it seems like a bit of a bummer, but I also feel like it is... The thing is, is that it feels like it's not entirely unearned that that's where he would end up, right? Yeah, I agree. But it like, does. like you said, maybe that could have been the end of season two or something, right? Like, maybe it doesn't necessarily belong where we are now, but we'll have to see how the rest of it comes into play. Yeah, that's the only thing for me is I just think the other stuff going on is more interesting. And I feel like we've spent a lot of time with William and it feels like they're running out of stuff to do with him unless he is a host. Unless he is the the final pearl that has some Dolores in there and that he is part Dolores and part William. And that's going to be her ultimate torture is that slowly revealing to him who he really is and that she can take him over and watch that corner of his like, watch that corner of his brain like Go insane. Maybe she could only appear to him at the end, like the way that Ford could appear to Bernard in season two. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Hmm. I like the reason that I wanted to say no to that is because I feel as though he, you know, if we're going based off of just the facts that haven't steered me wrong yet, there was only one red and gray pearl on that table. And if William was in one of them, it should have also been red and gray. Or all red. But maybe he got switched before he made it back to the island, right? And maybe... Or made it back from the island. And maybe Hmm. that's what some of that fidelity testing was. Was like Dolores figuring it out. That's true. Prior to then. I don't know. Interesting. Um, yeah. I don't entirely disagree with you with where it ended up. But, yeah. Uh... Bernard gets Liam to a car, but Caleb catches up to put a gun to Bernard's head. Host Connell catches up and kill Connell's cut catches up and kills the four insight men with him before letting Liam get away. He also lets Caleb catch up to Liam, leaving Bernard there to deduce that while Dolores is, did not in fact replace Liam, she replaced Connell's instead. When he asked who she would actually trust in Connell's body, Connell's reveals that he's actually Dolores and demands that Bernard get in the car. 
Uh, we talked about that a little bit. It's cool that Bernard kind of figures it out on the spot and wonders, like, who would she actually trust to be in there? And I like... And I really, I, I have to say, despite the fact that I didn't necessarily love the William stuff, I liked the cross-cut of this. Yeah, I did too. Like, it, it, it felt like it unfolded in a way that worked well, and they've done this in the past with other things too, and kind of all three of them intersecting in that particular way. I think it's pretty sweet, even if you don't necessarily enjoy the, the reveal itself. Oh, so. sure, yeah. The way it was set up and executed is really cool. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so then there's three quick scenes. One of them is Caleb catching up to Liam. He pins him against the wall. When Liam offers Caleb money, Caleb reveals that he's the one that took all of Liam's money. When Liam asks Caleb, Caleb is, Caleb says, I'm with her. And Hillary Clinton walks out into the alley. I mean, actually, Dolores. <laughs> Causing Liam to look like you could confuse those two women. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The the one thing I do like about John Gallagher Jr. here is him looking like he's seen a ghost when when Dolores walks on. Like it, it's a good reaction shot. Yeah, I like that Dolores leaves Liam potentially thinking that maybe Connell's has been compromised in some way, but that he is still Connell's. Liam yeah. does not bear witness to that, so that's that's still out there. Yeah, he's like Connell's, the Connell's Dolores, Con- Loris or whatever we want to call her, allows him to get away in a way that gives him plausible deniability in the situation, right? Yep. Like, we're still going to need you to believe that Connell's is your man. Mm-hmm. So, that's interesting. Absolutely. Um, as Maeve lies in a pool of host printing juice, Musashi Loris cuts, uh, walks up to cut out her HCU and his men inform him that there are armed men outside that need to be dealt with. Musashi Loris leaves Maeve, uh, realizes Maeve is being tracked and he leaves her there untouched. Um, yeah, I remember when they started fighting, I was like, oh man, if she just needs Dolores and Dolores is in Musashi, then if she kills Musashi, then she has Dolores, right? I got like really pumped Maybe. for a minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess we don't really know what what's in there. Is it just yeah. like, is it Dolores without the encryption key in her? Or who, who has the I, encryption I, key? I still think that... Dolores Prime in Dolores' body is the one that has everything. And that the ones out there have Dolores's that's the term I'm trying to think of for it. Like her personality, her yeah. her decision making process, her enough pertinent information to what's going down. But if they are going to develop their own personalities and agendas maybe she only gave them enough to make them angry obedient copies yeah yeah they might not have the full picture interesting in the way that she does we shall see i believe yeah i'm that that part i am really curious to know more about um yeah yeah I like I, I remember I was bummed that Maeve was like killed, but I also have no doubt that she's going to be back next episode, right? Yeah, the she's like stuck. She's fine. Yep. And then finally, the last scene is the man in black, William. 
stands in an all-white uniform in his mental hospital room. He sits on a step, and Dolores steps out of the darkness to let him know that this is Emily's last wish and that he's reached the center of the maze. She asks him to ask the question to which he so desperately wants the answer, and he asks, Am I me? Dolores informs him that he's at the end of the game, and the episode cuts to black on William sitting alone in his room. It's cool to see Dolores back in her like farm girl costume. Yeah. That was kind of chilling, actually. Absolutely. (laughs) It was like the end of X-Men First Class when Magneto puts on the purple helmet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, here's the thing. I think this is a great poetic ending for William if it was an ending. I don't think it needs to be an ending for him in the middle of the season three here. Um which leads me to think that I'm even going to be dissatisfied if they come back to him for some reason, which maybe they'll just demonstrate a need for William that we're not seeing yet. Yeah, I think they'll come back to him. I think that he's got too much rage and issues to yeah. to go down this easily. <laughs> not that it was easy, but uh, I don't know. I feel like he's got to get revenge on Dolores somehow. And even though she should be the one getting revenge on him. That's kind of why I like it. Like the idea that he gets to sit there and question the nature of his reality in the same way that the hosts may oh, yeah. not have. No, it is. is good. And if, if the series were ending on this note for him, it might, it, it is kind of a cool ending. Definitely poetic. Like you said, it's yeah. like the man in black that we know, I don't know. It is good because he invaded her world and had absolute power and now she's invaded his and has absolute power. So it is pretty good. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what we happens. We shall see. Absolutely. So overall, it sounds like you were a little disappointed this, this week, at least. Um, I mean, it was okay. There were things about it that I thought were really cool. I mm-hmm. just think the William stuff to me felt out of place. Uh, and I just, I don't know. You didn't love the Dolores reveal either, which is, those are kind of the meat and potatoes of this episode, right? Yeah, exactly. And I I think there's definitely room, depending on what is to come, for me to reverse my position on both of those things. That's the thing with this show. You can't necessarily decide how you felt about it until the next week (laughs) or the the finale. Things get turned on their head quickly enough that it could Mm -hmm. go anyway. Yeah. All right. Any final Uh thoughts? I'm just really looking forward to next week. I'm definitely at the point now in the show where I am actively looking forward to every episode. I think the first one or two, I was like, oh, I'm enjoying these, but I wasn't like, I need the next one. And now I'm I'm definitely, I'm at that point now. Yeah, I, I think I am too. It is, it's certainly like, I feel like I'm back in my, I'm feeling comfortable again in my podcasting shoes. My note taking has gotten a little bit speedier because I've gotten to use that muscle a little bit better and and it's just uh definitely it feels like we're we're fully back in the saddle but we're already halfway through the season is the crazy thing right like right yeah how are we gonna wrap this up (laughs) yeah what 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 can they possibly leave us with at the end of four episodes that will be satisfying but i don't know we'll see we shall see once again, you can find more ep- episodes of our podcast on Westworld.fm. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Podcasts, or whatever they call it nowadays. We're also Westworld.fm on Twitter, and you can email us at WestworldFM at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. 
The Midwest Podcast Network has several other shows about video games, horror movies, and more. Check out all of our other shows at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is the song Industrial Cinematic by Kevin McLeod, and it is being used under an Attribution Creative Commons license. That's it for our episode this week, and we're excited for the next episode of Westworld. We'll have another episode of our podcast out after that, but until then, may you rest and have a deep and dreamless slumber.